that it's good to be here in the house of the Lord with God's dear people. Praise the Lord. It speaks volumes to see you here tonight. It tells your neighbors that uh, the Lord is first place in your life. And uh, it's, uh, it, it requires a little bit to get you here, but you're here. And uh, we praise the Lord that you're here. And where's the young lady that played the piano? Would you wave at me? Oh, there she is. Okay. I'm so glad you're playing the piano. I, I hope and pray one day you'll be able to be a church pianist. You might be this church pianist one day. Uh, but it's just good to have these young people learn the piano and be able to be a blessing to the Lord's work for years to come. And uh, what an exciting thing. All right, if you have your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. I'm going to have you turn a few places tonight. Genesis chapter 5 and Amos chapter 3. Genesis chapter 5, Amos chapter 3. And if that's not enough, 1 John chapter 1 and Romans chapter 6. Those are the four places I want you to turn tonight. Genesis chapter 5, Amos chapter 3. Genesis chapter 5, Amos chapter 3, 1 John chapter 1, Romans chapter 6. All right. Genesis chapter 5. We've had a wonderful time since we've been here. The Lord has been good. We've, uh, we love your pastor and his family. Uh, they're a dear blessing to us. They were with us last summer, and uh, it was exciting to see them uh, in our church and to be able to introduce them to our people. And uh, they were a blessing, and uh, we hope one day they'll come back as well. All right, Genesis chapter 5, if you're there, say amen. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 5, and I want you to look at verse 22. Genesis chapter 5, verse 22. And we'll go down to verse 24. Genesis 5, 22. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. I'd like to emphasize the point found in verse 22. And Enoch walked with God. And then in verse 24, uh, emphasize the, the point. Uh, and Enoch walked with God. All right, now look with me, if you will, over in Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3, just one verse. It's a familiar verse. I'm sure you, you know it. Uh, Amos chapter 3, and then we'll go to 1 John chapter 1. Amos chapter 3, in verse 3, the Bible says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? All right, now if you would, let's turn over to 1 John uh, chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and I want to direct your focus to verse, uh, where am I? 1 John chapter 1, and look with me at verse 7, okay? 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Here we go. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Now, let's look at that again. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. Okay? We walk in the light as He is in the light. Now look with me, if you would, over in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I want to direct your attention to verse 7. And we'll go all the way down to verse 11. Okay? Romans chapter 6. And verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. 
knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto, your sin, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'll help me to say what we need to hear tonight. And I pray, Father, that we would take a special notice of what the Word of God is speaking to us. And Lord, how it applies to our life. And I pray that you'll help us to walk a little closer to you. And I pray that it'll be a special walk and a holy walk. And I pray, Father, that you'll bless in the only way you can bless us, uh, and all you can bless us tonight. And I pray that we'll be yielded to thee and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. May thy will be done. Bless the hearer tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I have a son. Uh, he's my namesake, Timothy James Stowe. And uh, I have a daughter-in-law, and uh, her name is Catherine. Uh, Tim and Catherine are both uh, uh, health nuts. <laughs> they like to exercise. They like to run marathons. They like to... Uh, they, Catherine was on the uh, Aggie national basketball team, and uh, they went nationals and won nationals, and she was on that team. And my son is a very good basketball player as well. And they, they do a lot of exercising. Now, I'm, I'm a little different than that. I don't like exercising, okay? Uh, last January, uh, my doctor told me something that I didn't want to hear. As I sat in his office, he explained to me that I'm a diabetic and we might cure this thing with diet and exercise. Those are two dreadful words. I don't like hearing diet and exercise. And, uh, and I thought, well, fat chance. <laughs> That's just probably not going to happen. And uh, so I went home and told my wife, and my wife told my daughter. And you know how those wives and daughters gang up on dad and husband. And so they made sure that my diet was correct, and then I had to make sure that my exercising is correct. Uh, they, uh, the doctor explained to me uh, uh, what could take place if I don't get this thing under control. He said, right now, we might be able to control this thing with diet and exercise, and if not, we'll have to go that next level. And he said, and uh, there might be some physical consequences if you can't keep this thing under control. I had some uh, marks on my legs. That's why I went to the doctor in the first place, and they didn't seem to be healing. And he explained to me that if, uh, if I didn't get control of this thing, I could lose my legs. Well, me and my legs have been together for a long time. And I'd like to keep them the rest of my life. I'd, I'd just soon die and go to heaven, to be honest with you. Uh, especially when there's something I can do about it to keep it from happening. And so there was a motivation for me when he said something about how serious this matter is and what it might cost me if I don't get this thing under control. Now, for the last 10 months, I, I have uh, been exercising. I started off walking. just I couldn't walk very far, but I, I did what I could. And the doctor suggested uh, that I join this wellness club that's about 30 miles from Beeville uh, that had an in indoor swimming pool. And uh, so I don't, I don't swim with people. That's just, I don't do that. Uh, I, my bathing suit got a hole in the knee, so I got rid of it years ago. Um, I'm, I'm real modest, you know, and so, but he said, you know, if you'll get in that pool, you'll be able to move around because I was, I was so heavy. And my knees were so bad, and you need to get some exercise. 
And so I, I started doing that, and then when someone got in the pool, I'd get out. Or if I was going to get in the pool and someone's there, I wouldn't get in there. And so I got in the pool, and I did some exercising, and I was walking um, uh, the course there. And I, I couldn't go very far at first, and uh, I could possibly go a quarter of the way around. And, and it only takes uh, <laughs> seven, uh, uh, about ten, ten rounds to, to make a mile. And I, I couldn't hardly even do one round. Uh, but I kept at it. And uh, every day I would go, and I would just go a little further and a little further and a little further. And uh, then finally I started uh, making some real progress. Uh, uh, one day I come home and I told my wife, I went a mile. Can you believe that? I went a mile. I hadn't gone a mile in a long time. I went a mile. And, uh, and then the next week or so I started going a mile and a half. And the next week or so I started going two miles. And then I got up to three miles a day, and then I got up to four miles a day, and then five miles a day, and I got up to seven miles a day, and it was my goal to do ten miles a day, plus other type of exercising that I'm doing. And uh, my wife uh, was looking at my sh blood sugar level, and she gave me some advice that, I, uh, that I've been wanting to hear for a long time. She said, you're exercising too much and you're eating too little. Now that's what I wanted to hear. But... Um, it still concerned me because I still have blood sugar issues, okay? So I cut back on some of that exercising and just told her, I said, no, I'm not going to stop at three miles. I'm going to, I'm going to stay, maintain at least five miles. And so when I get to five miles, I cut it off for her sake. And so I've been walking five miles a day, Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays. I walk five miles. When I was at the airport on Friday, I was able to uh, I don't know how many laps around the inside of the airport that I made, maybe 500, I don't know. But I got my five miles in. And Lord willing, I'm going to get my five miles in tomorrow as well. And uh, But in the course of these months that I've been on this special diet and, and, and uh, exercising, uh, diet and exercising, I've lost uh, about 53 pounds. Uh, every week uh, I seem to be losing more and more and more. And uh, it's, it's all working. Now, I wasn't... Uh, on this thing to lose weight, I was on this thing to control the blood sugar level. But the losing weight is a is a benefit. Now I've only got about 50 more pounds to lose. Uh, I'd like to have only one stripe in my pinstripe suit is what I'm wanting. I'd like to be able to stand in the shower and have to jump around and get hit by the uh, the shower uh, water. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'd like to be so skinny that someone says, "Preacher, you need to gain some weight." Nobody's ever said that to me, but I'd like for them to be able to say that to me. Uh, but anyway, we're working at it, and um, since uh, for the past, uh, past uh, 10 months, I've walked over 800 miles, and this week alone I've walked 20 miles. I'm eating right, which helps me keep my blood sugar level uh, in check. Now, every morning I go through a routine to make myself exercise. I still hate exercising. I don't like exercising. But I go through a routine to make myself exercise. I look for reasons not to exercise. I, I, I do not get up every morning with the attitude, uh, good morning, Lord, but it's good Lord, it's morning. That's my attitude. And for 10 months, I've been constant and consistent. And after I walk, and after I walk, I'm happy that I walk. But I'm never happy to start the walk. But it requires something for me to walk. It requires effort to get started. It requires effort to continue. And it requires effort to finish. Now, if uh, Bible Baptist Church is going to stay right with God, and I believe this is a good, godly, wonderful church, a group of people that, uh, 
that it didn't take me long to fall in love with you folks, but I, but I dearly love you folks, and I dearly love your pastor and his wife and family. Uh, but it didn't take me long to, to sense that this is a good church and uh, good godly people. But if you're going to stay that good godly people, you, we need to learn how to walk with God and what it takes to walk with God and the benefits uh, there are to walking with God. Uh, if we're going to walk with God, it's going to require some effort and some determination. Determination to start walking with God, determination to continue walking with God, and determination to finish your course with God. Now, when I joined the Army, I was 17 years old. I had just turned 17. Uh, the recruiter called me up and sang happy birthday to me on my 17th birthday. I quit high school and joined the Army. I saw a little brochure where a guy was jumping out of a plane with a parachute, had an M16 rifle, and he was coming down, and they were shooting the enemy, and it was during the Vietnam War, and it just looked like fun to me. It looked like something that I would like to do. And so I joined the Army at 17, quit high school, joined the Army at 17. Now, uh, I, I did that for various reasons. I got tired of my mother telling me what to do, so I joined the Army. I was really smart. I've, I volunteered for Vietnam eight times. They never sent me. I was never uh, happy about that. I wanted to go. It seemed like they sent the fellows that didn't want to go. I wanted to go. They wouldn't send me. Uh, but I'm glad now. That was when I was young and dumb. Now I'm old and stupid. But when I was young and dumb, I wanted to do some of those cr uh, crazy things. Uh, while training for the Airborne, the 82nd Airborne, uh, we had to run so many miles a day. Uh, in fact, everything was a dead run. You, we were training here, but from going from this training to that training, we had to run. Every, uh, it, just, it didn't matter. We had to run everywhere. And uh, then we had these instructors with these black caps. We called them black uh, hats. And only, uh, it might say 23,000, 30,000, uh, 45,000. And what that means is that's how many miles they have run with the troops. And so they would get us out there, and, and they could run backwards uh, faster than we could run forward. And they would get us out there, and we would have to go mile after mile after mile in running. And that's how we started the day. And I knew for myself that I wasn't going to be able to finish the run. And it was their goal uh, to get us not to finish because um, uh, they wanted us to drop out. Actually, they were trying to make men out of us, but they were trying to get us to drop out. And uh, they would call us everything in the book, and uh, babies and sissies, and especially the 17-year-olds. Uh, these are the babies that are going to drop out first, or not this 17-year-old. But at the same time, it challenged us. And so we'd be running with them, and I'm thinking, boy, I just can't make it. I can't make it. When I see the big picture, I couldn't make it. But I started, uh, I started saying to myself, you know, I can make it to that corner. Now, I don't know about everything else, but I can com come from here to that corner. And so, boy, I'd get to that corner. And just as around that corner, I would say, uh, now, I don't know about anything else, but I can make it to that corner. And so what I was doing is I was setting uh, shorter goals uh, to help me to complete the big goal. And I'd, I'd, I'd run to each corner, and then I'd do that again and again and again until they uh, stopped us. And, and when it was all said and done, um, we became airborne before long. We were learning how to uh, jump and fall uh, properly and jump out of airplanes and make so many successful jumps in order to be airborne qualified. Now, I, I, hated, I hated the exercise, uh, but I liked the results. The results was is I got the, some silver wings put on my chest, and I got to be called airborne and got to jump out of planes. 
of which I'm fearful of heights. Uh, crazy, crazy. There's just things I have to do because I have to do it. You know, uh, that, why did you join the Airborne if you're afraid of heights? I had to do it. It's just something I have to do. Uh, standing before you folks is, is a scary thing, to be honest with you, even after all these years of uh, standing behind the pulpit and uh, giving God's Word and preaching for all these many years. On Saturday nights, I still bite my fingernails and I'm still worked up and I'm thinking, oh God, you're going to have to help me get this thing done. I'm still still nervous and you folks still make me nervous uh, standing before you. That's not my cup of tea, but it's something God called me to do and I'm, I'm, I appreciate what the Lord has done and we're doing the best we can for His glory and for His honor. Uh, and so, uh, I joined the Army uh, and the Airborne, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I graduated the Airborne, and it was a great thing. Now, my flesh is at odds with God. My flesh doesn't want to have a whole lot to do with God since I was saved. Before I was saved, uh, I could just do anything and feel good about it. Since I've been saved, I can't just do anything and feel good about it. Uh, I need to line up with God's Word and God's will. And I need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me into all truth. Uh, I, I talked about telling a half lie. Uh, if you tell a half lie, <laughs> it, 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 it's still a lie, folks. It's still a lie. And so uh, you ought to have a conscience that will, will convict you when you say things or do things that's contrary to the will of God. Uh, you miss church. You, you know, missing church ought not be an easy thing for us. It ought to be a difficult thing. It ought to be a hard thing to do, miss church, see? Um, going to church ought to be a great thing. And it is a great thing. Uh, but there ought to be some things in our life that, uh, that when we do it, there's a conviction, there's a conscience that we have uh, that scream at us and tell us we're doing wrong. And when we do right, uh, everything's okay. We have that peace of God that passes all understanding. Everything's going to be okay. Okay. Now, our flesh is at odds with God. It's at odds with the Holy Spirit. It is in constant battle to, for control. Uh, my, my flesh fights with the Spirit. The Spirit flight fights with the flesh. You say, which one wins? Whichever one I feed. If I feed the flesh, it wins. If, if I deny the flesh and feed the Spirit, it wins. It's like the two dogs. The black dog and the white dog always fighting. And they say, well, which one wins? And the owner says, whichever one I feed uh, has the advantage and which one I starve has the disadvantage. And so if we learn how to starve the flesh and feed the spirit, then the spirit wins. Okay? But our flesh is constantly fighting. And we need to reckon ourselves to be dead. You see, dead hens can't do anything. Dead, uh, dead, uh, dead feet can't go to the wrong places. Dead hens can't uh, do the wrong things. And dead minds can't think the wrong thoughts. Uh, we need to reckon ourselves to be uh, dead uh, indeed unto sin. And what it requires, it requires some effort and determination. See? Uh, that's what it required for me to do all that walking and still requires it. I'm not looking forward to getting up tomorrow morning and walking. It's, it's something that I have to force myself to do. Uh, not only do I uh, do that walking, but I pull weights down, 50 pounds of weight. I do that 200 times. You know what 200 times 50 is? That's 10,000 pounds worth. I do that, and then I push 50 pounds this way, and I do that 100 times, so that's 5,000 pounds. And then I take 50 pounds, and I do it this way uh, 25 times. And, 
and, and I do that, that, and, and that, and I walk, and, and I am worn to a frazzle when it's all said and done. But I have to do that. And as a, as a result, my blood sugar level is in check. When the doctor uh, saw me, he was shocked. He said, you're, you're half the man that you used to be. I said, well, I hope to be less than that the next time you see me. He said, well, as far as we can tell, on paper, you're not a diabetic, but, but you've got to understand something. Once a diabetic, always a diabetic. And if you allow yourself to get back into where you were, eating and not exercising, you will be a um, diabetic and it will get worse. And so I, I appreciated hearing him say that, but at the same time, it requires effort and determination uh, to stay straight and narrow in those things. And it requires some effort and determination to walk with God. It requires some things in order for us to yield ourselves uh, to uh, God Almighty. Now, according to Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, and we've read that, the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, in order for us to walk with God, we've got to be in agreement with God. Uh, God doesn't have to be in agreement with us. We need to be in agreement with God. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. You know, and that, that's the same thing it is with, with each, each of us. If you're walking in the light and I walk in the light, we can have fellowship. If I'm walking in the light and you're walking in the darkness, we cannot have fellowship. Now, it could be you're walking in darkness and I'm walking in darkness, and we might have some common uh, things uh, in darkness, but you're not going to have fellowship with God. So we've got to walk in the light as he is in the light, and then we will have fellowship one with another. I have found out the closer I get to the light, uh, the light has a tendency of revealing some things. It reveals how sinful I am, how wicked I am. Okay, And so when I get close to the light, I can confess my sin and everything's all right because God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so uh, by being in the light, we're constantly able to see ourselves in light of his word. And we're able to be right and stay right and be able to walk with God because we can walk in agreement with God Almighty. Now, walking with God requires that uh, agreement and it requires an effort and determination in order to walk with God. Now, uh, in our text, we see that uh, Enoch first walked with God after he had Methuselah. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of interesting. I think dads ought to be examples in the home. And uh, I think that's, a, that's an interesting thing there, that he walked with God. Now, what, wouldn't it have been nice if he had walked with God all along, even while he's having his kids, but after Methuselah, he walked with God. And I, I see that. And I believe that dads ought to be walking with God in order to lead their family down those paths of righteousness. Uh, it won't be long. Your children will be adults. They will be grown. They'll be out of the nest. And what you put into their little hearts and minds uh, will, will challenge them to, to walk that straight and narrow walk the rest of their life. As a twig bends, so grows the tree. And so when they're small, you're, you're constantly bending that, that twig toward heaven. And as that tree grows, it, it grows straight and narrow and, and what God wants it to do. It's easier uh, to uh, bend boys than to bend men. 
And so we do what we can while they're young, all that we can while they're young. Uh, don't get to the place where you get tired of well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. But you keep putting forth effort to do what's right. Keep putting forth that effort. That's what it requires to walk with God. You're constantly putting forth effort uh, to stay right with God, to be able to walk with God, and there are great, great uh, consequences as a result of walking with God. Now, uh, with, with great effort and great determination, uh, we ought to walk in newness of life. Okay? The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in a death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Do you realize that a changed life is one of the greatest testimonies a person can have? I remember when I got saved. Well, I got saved and, and I went to school the next day and, and my friend says, what, what's gotten into you? Uh, yesterday you were just like us and today you're a preacher. I said, I'm not a preacher. Boy, that was fighting words with me. I wasn't a preacher. I just know that Jesus did something for me I couldn't do for myself. And people could see Christ in me now where they couldn't see Him before because I wasn't saved. But now that I was saved, and that was back during the day that the teachers on the report card would put uh, S for satisfaction in your conduct or U uh, for unsatisfaction in conduct. And all of mine had highly improved, satisfied. I mean, they were, it was quite incredible, uh, that first report card after I got saved. You see, Christ in the heart changes the life, and it certainly changed my life. And when I was saved, uh, and then I was baptized, uh, when he put me under, uh, it was a picture of the death and burial of Jesus Christ. And it's as if I, was, I died with Christ and was buried with him, and then I was raised to walk in newness of life. I'm a different person as a result of what Jesus did for me. Not what I'm doing for myself. I tried many times to change, turn over a new leaf and change life. It wasn't going to happen. But with Christ in the heart, it was happening. Uh, we was able to walk in newness of life. Everybody can see that newness of life as a result of you being right with God. We need to walk in newness of life. We must walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible makes it very clear four times in the Scriptures that just shall live by faith. Old Testament, New Testament, that's what the Bible says. That's what God intends. If you've been justified, you need to learn how to live uh, from faith to faith, for the just shall live by faith. And what that means is whatever decision you make, you need to make it with the idea that I believe this is God's will. I believe this is what God would have me to do. And as a result, if, if it's the wrong thing, but you trust in God, I believe before the foot hits the ground, He's got you turned and heading the right direction. It's incredible how that God has led us through the years. At the time of just moving forward, and trying to figure out what God wants, it looked like a maze. It, it just looked like a maze. And we had to trust God on the light that we had for the moment. And then after these years, we look back and we can see just how perfect everything was on how God made it all happen. I want to tell you something. That uh, uh, life is, is short. It's brief. It's, it's but, a, but a vapor. It's here for a short time. Uh, yesterday, I was cuddling my kids. And nowadays, I'm cuddling my grandkids. And it won't be long, and, and they'll be grown and gone as well. Uh, life is one big change. It keeps changing. Uh, but, uh, I, but, I'm, but I'm telling you now, 
uh, that the child of God needs to learn to live by sight, uh, by faith, not by sight. I don't believe in this police laying a fleece out. I believe that was Old Testament principle before the completion of the Word of God. Since the completion of the Word of God, when the Word of God was completed, we trust the Bible. That's God speaking to us. We trust the Bible. We don't look for signs. We don't look for sights. We don't look for open doors. We don't look for fleeces. We trust God. That's what God wants us to do. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, for, the, uh, for without faith, it's impossible to please Him. God wants His children to trust Him. And uh, I, I recall when my kids were small, and I'd set them up someplace, and I'd say, jump. And they, boy, they'd jump. Why? Because they trusted Daddy. Now, if I take my 200-pound son, six-foot son, and set him on a wall and said, jump, he's not going to jump. He knows his father is, is not capable of catching him. Well, he's not going to jump. But I'm going to tell you something, that my Heavenly Father is capable. If he says jump, we jump. Okay? And what we do is when we go to bed at night and we get up the next morning, we say, Lord, I'm not real smart. And God knows that already. And Lord, I can make all the worst decisions uh, imaginable. And God knows that too. Lord, I need your help to guide and direct my steps today and help me, Lord. Because the average person makes hundreds of decisions a day. Hundreds of decisions. Okay, um, One of the first uh, decisions I've made this morning is which foot to put my sock on first. My left foot or my right foot? Well, I always put it on my right foot first. Why? Because it's easy. It's, it's just easy for me. Okay, now, That's my thinking on it. But there's lots of decisions that we make. And, and some things we think are just minor and small. And they are minor and small, but uh, those small things can have major consequences. And so that's why we're asking God, Lord, guide me, direct me, help me, Father. Um, but if you're looking for sights and open doors and places, uh, then you're not trusting God. You're trusting those things. And so we've got to trust God. Okay. And so we wake up each morning and we say, Lord, help me to make the right decisions. I trust that you will lead me and guide me and direct me. And I believe there's a purpose why God gave us a brain and some eyes and the ability to, to reason some things out. You know, just God, God, God is such a good God, and, and, he, and he's done, he does that. All right, so we're to walk by, by faith, not by sight. Now, we also must have a constant, consistent walk. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, uh, beseech you, uh, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. I believe that God would have us to walk a worthy walk. And um, I believe that God has called each of us to do something great for Him. Uh, and, and my calling may be different than yours. And yours may be different than mine. But we ought to walk worthy of the call that God has put upon us. And of course, God has called all of us to walk a clean life and to be Christ-like in all, in, uh, in all that we say and all that we do. So we must be uh, consistent and constant in our Christ-like walk. Not only that, folks, uh, we must walk in love. Uh, we ought to love one another. If we can't love each other, on, you know, we're supposed to love each other. And the Bible says, by the love you shall know them. Uh, that we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ by our love. And we ought to be able to love each other. And, and everybody has different personalities. And some people are more likable and lovable than others, but we're to love each other. And, uh, and we might be one of those hard kind of people to love, uh, for some people to love. But God has um, 
instructed the child of God that we walk in love. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. I believe that love expresses itself in word and in deed. I believe that love is a feeling of the heart. Uh, when you are loved, you feel it. If my wife looked at me and she says, uh, do, you, do you love me? She's not the one with the problem. I must be the one with the problem. If she don't know that I love her by my deeds and my expressions and by what I do and how I do things, then I'm not doing a good job of conveying my love. And I believe that when a pastor doesn't convey his love, the people wonder sometimes, does he really love us? You see, love is more than words. It's an action. It's something we do. It's something we sacrifice because we love some people. And there's a whole lot of things that we ought to do because we love, love God. All right? Uh, lastly, I want to say this. Uh, when we walk, we must walk in contrition. Uh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Contrition means to be remorseful and penitent. Humility explains contrition. Uh, the Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I don't want to be resisted by God. I want to be embraced by God. And we need to walk humbly before the Lord. Uh, people need to know that we're, that we're uh, forgiven Christians. We're, we're sinners that are saved by grace. And we've been forgiven. Uh, we're, not, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But we ought to sin less as a result of our salvation. And we ought to be uh, humbled by the goodness of God and how great God is and what God has done and is doing and will do in our lives. And that ought to humble us. That ought to make us realize uh, who we are and, and who God is. And God has included us in His his great plan for eternity. God is good. Now, our, if we're going to walk with God, it needs to be a, a humble walk. If we're going to walk with God, it needs to be a, a walk in love. If we're going to walk with God, it needs to be a constant, consistent walk. If we're going to walk with God, it means a walk by faith and not by sight. If we're going to walk with God, it's a newness of life. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And that's what it requires. Now, it, it, <clears throat> it requires some effort. And it requires uh, some determination. Uh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk tomorrow. I've already made that decision. I'm not going to go by how the flesh feels. The flesh says, no, 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 no. Uh, but I've already made that decision. I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. It's going to happen. You know, unless the Lord calls me home. It's going to happen. I'm going to do that. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I'm going to love the unloving. I'm going to be kind. I have made some determinations in my heart. I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to walk in light as He is in the light. I'm going to do these things. That's my determination. Now, you take the, the lame man that was lame for 38 years. Jesus said, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. And he could have laid there forever saying, Well, I've tried this many times, but it just don't work. No, he put forth some effort 
And God gave him that divine strength to get the job done. Folks, that's what we need to do is put forth some effort. We have some determination. We put forth some effort. And with God's help, the job is done. Let's every head be bowed, please. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for allowing me to stand before these dear people. And I hope and pray that something said to me.